Any issues. Collision there. Here's Scotty. Turns the corner. Slam dunk. And a foul. In a statistic that will surprise absolutely no one, the Raptors, you guessed it, are 0500. Last episode, we finished with the Raptors 5 and 5. This time, after losses to Milwaukee, Boston, and Orlando, followed up by victories against Detroit, Indiana, and Chicago, we're 8 and 8. Where is this team going? We finally, finally might have an answer. On Friday, the Raptors finished with 32 assists. Against Detroit, they had 44 assists. They now have set a franchise record with over 25 assists in each of their last 12 games. Burrell, for your first words for this season's podcast, are the Raptors finally playing beautiful basketball after three or four Pretty hellish, ISO-heavy years under Nick Nurse. Kamel, that's a fantastic question. But before we get into it, what's up, everyone? It's been a while, man. I think, like you said, Kamel, it's been... Well, is this, this is my first episode of the season, but I think it's been like four or five months since I've done an episode. So it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, for my fan club, it must be a very, very emotional moment for them. You won't believe how you mentioned about this now, Kamel. Calling it's back. crazy that there might be, you know, however many people, whatever it is, that um, obviously don't know us at all in real life. And their only way of knowing us is through the podcast every week, every two weeks. And to them, it's basically like I've been dead for four months and uh, now I've been resurrected. Um, <laughs> I'm talking as if I'm some sort of B-list celebrity, but <laughs> it's, not, it's not many people. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird thought. <laughs> um, God, I'm changing I'm changing track to from a basketball podcast so I don't know what, what you call this exactly but um, yeah anyway I mean talking about the Raptors um, yeah that, that shows that nothing's changed it's been four months and we're still 500 like you said um, you know I'll, I'll start off with this point the most amazing thing that I've seen out of this team this year my favourite thing that I've watched is the Pertle Siakam pick and roll. Big to big pick and roll. I absolutely love every single time they run it. Pertle has amazing vision when he's the passer in that pick and roll and he finds Siakam rolling to the basket time and time again. That's probably the favourite thing that I've seen from this team this season. And that and that leads really nicely, I think, into kind of the assist, the playmaking, what we were talking about just at the start of the episode because obviously last episode we went over how Darko's implemented that sort of 0.5 second offense and the Raptors are leading the league in, in passes basically and I think over the last few games that's finally led to actual assists and they're not just passing for the sake of it anymore you see as you say um, Siakam over, averaging over five assists per game and Jakob Pertl uh, with almost three assists a game he was kind of the guy when Masai decided to do, to do that controversial trade last year. He's not obviously a typical big. He is considered like a playmaking big, one who obviously can't shoot too well, but 
his playmaking and his rebounding is kind of kind of the two assets that he does have. Screening, screening as well. Screening, no, of course. Yeah, and yeah. and it's allowed other you know big players. I mean, even Precious Achua, who's kind of over the last few games averaging four assists a game. It's 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 stunning stuff. And uh, Scotty Barnes, as we know, he's he's on a roll this year with six assists. And I guess this is all facilitated in kind of a system that's built around the floor general himself, Dennis Schroeder. So you know, the whole team is getting involved really well. But um, tell us a little bit more about that Siakam personal pick and roll, because obviously Siakam last two, three games, especially he's really, really stepped it up. Yeah, um, I don't really think I have much more to say. I'd say they probably run it two to three times a game. Um, so that for me, I quite like that. It's infrequent enough that it takes teams off guard when they run it. But the only other team who's even capable of running that, because you need two guards who can essentially like dribble a little bit and shoot a little bit uh, and also make the pass. You said, yeah, which I agree with, Pertle isn't the best shooter, but um, the, the only he doesn't really need to be one of the one of those two players don't need to be a pick and pop type big there. The other team who's who've been running it quite successfully in the past few games uh, is uh, Cleveland. So with Mobley and Jarrett Allen, they've been running a big pick and roll and it's looked incredible when they've run it. Um, and that's been in the absence of Donovan Mitchell, who's the ball is basically stuck in his hands when he's on the floor. So while he's been off the floor, they've actually been running you know a ver- like just a variety of plays they've it, it's been created from the coaching staff and i think i almost draw parallels with what donovan mitchell is to the Cavs, with what fred was for this team last year of course donovan mitchell is exceptionally more efficient than van vliet but in terms of play style very very similar you see a lot of Cavs Cavs fans saying at the moment because once while mitchell's been injured They've actually been on a little bit of a run, the Cavs. And although Donovan, when he is on the floor, look, he averages 30 points on amazing efficiency. There are so many possessions. He just takes the ball up, doesn't pass it to anyone. 10 dribbles, takes a shot. And uh, we saw that kind of thing from Freddie last year. And to be honest, we're seeing it with Freddie this year on the Rockets. The ball's kind of stuck in his hands sometimes. He does facilitate play. Don't get me wrong, but... There's not this beautiful, fluid motion offense that you're kind of seeing uh, with this Toronto team this year. Uh, and so I think having Schroeder in that, in Freddie's role, um, it's just, it's just unlocked the offense, man. It's, I, I want to cry. It's been four years watching, like <laughs> three, four years watching just dreadful, dreadful offense. And now it's probably one of the most beautiful basketball playing teams in the league I, I don't know many other teams who are as fun to watch offensively as the Raptors and people might say oh you're being ridiculous you've got players like OG Siakam Barnes they're not exactly uh, let's say you know creative offensive players but it's all within this system that we've create, uh, curated this year so yeah I, I've been really enjoying watching the games this year offensively no while while they're kind of the Raptors have improved slightly as a half-court team and obviously are still more... The strength is more in transition. transition They've yeah. moved to a mid-half-court team. But as you say, you know, they're averaging 29 assists. 
That's second in the entire league. And you think about all the ball movement teams, the Steve Kerr, the pop teams in this league. That's that's excellent. And one thing Siakam said after the last game, kind of how the team has bought into the philosophy. He said, um, basically, the philosophy is playing fast and advancing the ball. So you only have to take one dribble to get to the rim. Or, you know, you receive an elbow pass from, you know, Jakob Pertl. And essentially, the cuts that all the that the uh, the team kind of makes every single yes. play is just it's just yeah. leading. It's just great movement, great ball movement. And yeah. as Diakam says, it's gonna be even better uh, going yeah. forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and you've touched on something really good there, Kamal. So talking about back cuts, screening off the ball to get players open, we didn't see this in two, the last two three years. And I think part of the reason, of course, okay, the offensive philosophy was different, sure, but I think what played into that was our players didn't have the energy to have all this movement off the ball. Being run into the ground playing 40 plus minutes every single game, again, for the past two, three years, all our stars were playing just ridiculous minutes. And um, this year, you've seen the minutes have come down and the the, the players are going to be much more able to buy into this philosophy of okay even if the ball's not in your hands you know set set screens do backcourt cuts uh, to the basket these kind of easy offensive points where you know somebody sets the screen it gets somebody open under the basket whoever's dribbling the ball is able to see that person and is able to make usually quite an easy pass if even if we get 10 of those points a game uh, within the half court offense those are points that were non-existent again the past two three years just easy buckets uh Kamel I could yeah I could talk at length about it but you you know how frustrating it was like we never got easy buckets in the half court system in previous years we just didn't did not exist absolutely Um, it was so I think holistically yeah talking about talking about um the fact that we're playing less than minutes the players actually have energy to do this on offense and Defensively, we could probably move on to the defensive aspect as well. It's less of a boom or bust that we had in previous years because we have the likes, well, we have the main man, Pertl, anchoring, you know, the defence. So there is that rim protection, that shot-blocking ability under the basket. And, um, yeah, defensively, I think we've looked really different as well. And, And I kind of will like to tie this into the Pacers game as well. But before we get to the Pacers game... Um, I just wanted your thoughts, what you've seen defensively this year, Kamel. Um, well, it's been obviously a very different lineup. So obviously shifting OG to the two now, you yeah. kind of have elite defense all around. You know, you don't have an undersized point guard anymore who opposition uh, teams can target. And then someone like Gary Trent alongside him, who hasn't seen too many minutes this year. Instead, you have OG at the two, Scotty at the three, Siakam at the four, and as you say, the anchor at the five and Schroeder isn't a bad defender himself um so I mean Darko has mainly come in to work on the offense the defense has never been a problem it wasn't a problem under Nick Nurse and to be honest this season if you look at the Raptors they are kind of still hovering around top 10 in defense so it's never really been uh, a major issue um individually everyone is at least in the starting lineup is a great defender so I don't see I don't see too much too much wrong with that. What well, I want to well, ask well, I you... I say though, Camille, our okay. philosophy has changed so much because... Okay, we still have the same 
played us last year. Sure, we had the same calibre of defender, but last year, as you know, is we didn't have a big man in the post. This is obviously we're talking about pre-Pertle trade. Uh, so it was boom or bust defense. We had we essentially just scrambled around the perimeter trying to get steals. Um, hope and we would we would get two to three players down on the opposing big to block the ball getting into the paint at all, which would leave corner threes open, which would leave us just basically scrambling around the floor. It was boom or bust. We were basically trying to prevent the ball getting to the post, knowing that we couldn't really do anything once it did get there, which meant we were just scrambling. Um, some games, we would have 15, 20 turnovers, and we'd say, wow, that defense looked amazing. And then other games, we would just get torched from through or torched from the post before we get a truly elite big. And um, there's just more consistency, I think, defensively now. We, we don't, but yeah, it's not like it goes from, again, 20 turnovers to just getting absolutely destroyed the next game. Uh, it's, the, it's the level of consistency that we have now, which I like. I agree, but there are 22 minutes on average, which Jakob Pertl doesn't play. And until Coloco comes back, they don't. We don't have a backup center, a kind of a backup anchor. I don't sure Precious or Boucher could do that job. So there has to be something else, surely, apart from that big man deterrent. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I, I still think that makes a massive difference when he is on the floor. No, nope, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, I want to move on to the bench now because for all the positives we've talked about. And obviously, as you said, Darko has worked to lighten the load on the starting lineup. Not not one player is averaging above 33 minutes a game, which is very good. And the top of that is Scotty Barnes, who needs the minutes. Um, I, I briefly touched on Malachi Flynn. I think he's carried on his trajectory. I briefly touched on that last episode. Yeah. But there's a couple of players there. Gary Trent, maybe. And also, of course, our first round draft pick, Grady Dick. Now, before we go into him, uh, Raptors legend and now London legend Sam Decker actually commented last night on Dick Grady. Of course, he's been assigned to the 905 now. He shot one for 12 in his first game with the 905. And Sam Decker said, Who changed Grady's shots? I need answers. The NBA has stopped, got to stop doing this to young shooters. So I just want to know what's wrong because, I mean, we didn't expect too much from Grady, but. I think we expected a little bit more than this. Um, sorry, Coom, could you explain that uh, what he said there again? I didn't quite understand. So Sam Decker is essentially saying, Dick, is uh, Grady now. Dick, yeah. who who was an excellent shooter in college. Right, right. Um, you see some videos of him shooting now, and they're saying it's slightly different. And of course, we know the college line is is nine foot compared with ten foot NBA line, but. They he, he's sort of suggesting that the coaching staff have done something to his shot, and that's why he's struggling a lot this season. Right. But overall, should we be worried about? I mean, he's only 19, but should we be worried about the kind of his prospects? I mean, you look in in the month of November, sort of he gets 15 minutes on the court. It's not like he's not getting a chance, but I mean, he's averaging three and a half points a game and not contributing much else. Well, yeah, yeah, and. I know the primary reason we drafted him was for his shooting. And I'm just mm. looking at his shooting splits now. And uh, it's not the three point percentage. Okay, that's not too problematic. It's 25%, which is horrible. But we see that often with, even with 
people who've been drafted predominantly for their shooting prowess, they do struggle from the three-point line, but he's also shooting 27% from the floor, which is probably more worrying for me. Actually, he's um, he's 100% from the free-throw line, which, okay, you might just laugh at that and say how many free-throws he's getting. Well, he's getting one free-throw a game, um, so maybe he shot, you know, 10, 11 free-throws, made all of them. Um, that okay that's probably way too small a sample size but let's say if he had 53 throws and he was shooting 90 percent um that would make me less worry about his struggles those are just early career struggles which pretty much all shooters have i don't actually know of many players who came into the league shooting very efficiently like it, it just doesn't happen really um so i'm now i'm not that worried and maybe uh Decker's right in that mechanically something seems to have changed from college but um yeah let, let him get some time in the G League like get his confidence back and then call him up to the first team because yeah we don't really need him um in the main squad for the time being so well some would some would suggest that him and um Gary Trent Jr both of whom are struggling other things that are needed to sort of unlock this Raptors offense even further because you've got the playmaking, you've got the defense, you've got everything inside, but you haven't got the spacing from the three-point you know, shooting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so hopefully both of them can come good. I mean, Gary Trent has always been a bit of a streaky player. Um, he might be one we're looking to move on instead of pay him next summer. Uh, depends how depends how Grady Dick develops. I think really. Yeah. 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 Um. I just want to touch on some individual games. I wonder during this sort of uh, eight, six game stretch between uh, the Milwaukee loss and the, the win over Chicago, if you saw, saw anything you liked, saw anything you were concerned with, and I guess overall, I mean, obviously three losses to three excellent defensive teams, and yeah, that yeah. does include Orlando, who's been a major shock this year, and um, wins over, I guess, teams you can sort of, mid, mid, other mid-range teams. Uh, I guess it's quite encouraging from my end, but what do you think? Is there anything you sort of noticed? Trends? Yeah. Well, that was one of the things I was going to touch on, Kuhn. We lost to three very good teams, and we had three losses against, I wouldn't even necessarily t- say teams we should be, because the Pacers have been very good this year, and I expect them to be very good with Tyrese playing like a top five to ten NBA player. Um, and, well, that game I found really interesting because we... That was the one, one, 132 to 131 point game. Um, yeah. And one thing I thought was interesting was you talked about us moving OG to the two. And it seems that defensively, at least, now that he is at the two, we're very comfortable putting him on their best guard. Not just, you know, if say if the opposing team's best player is a forward, like we would always put OG on him anyway. But with him being at the two, now he was on Halliburton this game, which we, we wouldn't have really seen that in previous years because we would have we would have been terribly... Uh, it just wouldn't have worked overall with the rest of the floor, let's say. Um, so I like that. I like the fact that he was on Halliburton and Halliburton had to make some ridiculous shots. He was shooting five, six feet from behind the three-point line and he was making them, but that was what OG was giving up. He was like, I'm not letting you get too much nearer the basket if I can help it. And you're going to have to make some really, really tough shots. 
The other thing defensively was um, they have Miles Turner as their big man, who obviously does not have to live in the paint. He's a very good three-point shooter, especially for a big. And seeing Jakob Hurtle scramble around the perimeter, he did look like he was running through a treacle. He he struggles to move his feet on the perimeter, and that's probably something that the coaching staff are aware of. That you know, if opposing teams do have those kind of matchups, we probably are forced to play in less minutes. Um, but yeah, what, what were your opinions on that game? Of course, it was a very exciting game. Yeah, it's one of these ones where the Raptors kind of forget about their their defensive side and um, just you know just just hammer on with the kind of the Scotty and and Siakam show as we now call it. Yeah. Um, and it's the one I think where we finally saw last season's all star all star Siakam of the last few seasons finally come to play. You know, aggression, driving to the line. You know, he shot eleven free throws. Yeah. In the end. Um. And, and of course, 13 of 24 from the field. Uh, so suddenly, offensively, it was one where I think the gravity that that brought in terms of the Pacers then having to obviously pay more attention to him at least helped open it up. And, you know, we saw the likes of Malachi Flynn and Gary Trent actually shoot pretty well from outside the perimeter then. And, you know, Siakam's gravity and his, his, his threat has certainly helped. And I think in terms of Further evolving this Raptors offense, that's something that we definitely have to look to. Um, and as you say, you know, Halliburton and Heald, you know, they were basically chucking up shots all game. Uh, didn't really see any other pace who stood out particularly. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And uh, when Trent missed two of those two free throws at the end, I was like, right, this is, this, I, I'm feeling classic Toronto coming on here. But um, fortunately, Buddy then missed a tough three-pointer. Again, he was a couple of feet behind the three-point line. So we came away with what felt like some a somewhat lucky win there. Um, but another game I think was really interesting was um, the Celtics game as well. Of course, mm. we were down massively in that game. And um, we brought it all the way back in the, in the third quarter, especially in what ended up being a really tight game. And um, I, let me know if you agree, disagree, Kamel. But I think this... This game, I was like, right, we can contend probably is pushing it, but we can at least push the top teams right to the edge. I I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in future matchups against top seeds in the East, like we give them similar, just tough, tough games. We I thought we matched up really well with them. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, they were missing uh they were missing a couple of players, if I'm correct. But well, they have their main starting five trips. So they had Jalen, they had Derek White, oh, Holiday, Porzingis, Tatum. Yeah, um, and of course, I mean, they ran a pretty tight eight eight man rotation as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the Raptors, of course, missing OG for that game. So who knows who could have what what could have happened if he was there? Yeah. But no, you're completely right. You know, you look at the three teams as we said that the Raptors lost to during the six game stretch. They're the top three seeds in the East. It's it's really not been a bad stretch when you consider it. And um, overall, I guess you would say that the Raptors are probably where they deserve to be, despite, you know, supposedly lucky wins over Indiana. Uh, they were, they've been they've been pretty comprehensive when they have won. You know, they, they've got, yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. tight games against San Antonio and, and the Pacers. But overall, the wins have been pretty comfortable and the Raptors have been good value for, you know, what they've done. Yeah. So I'm... I'm I'm pretty confident, man. I don't think I've That's ever so said this about a Raptors team since the 2020, since pre-COVID, probably. 
Yeah, I, I completely. <laughs> I'm very optimistic about this team. You, like, this guy. People who listen to this podcast know I'm pretty pessimistic about this team. Well, I had been for the last two, three years. I'd always just see losses in the future, however well the team was playing. But um, I think this is. I'm kind of seeing them around a fifty. Like they can get to fifty wins. I think if they don't have the classic injuries that have kind of plagued them in previous years with how well we've actually been playing. Forget who we've got on the squad, like just the eye test. We've been playing very well. Um, so I do actually expect them to string a couple of wins together. Um, and yeah, let's see. Just, I think fingers crossed on the injury front. And I think we've got what is looking to be a player who's trying to, you know, be a maybe not superstar. He's a star already. I think Scotty Barnes is a star already. And, if he just keeps developing, maybe by, you know, March, April, we start putting him in, you know, top 20 or all-star calibre play. Would you say he's an all, he's been an all-star level so far, Kamel? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he leads the league, at least the last time we recorded, in steals and blocks. Um, his point scoring is obviously... Does he actually? Uh, at the last... I know the last time we recorded, he did. But, I mean, That's even if you look at his overall stats... I mean, I mean, he's averaging 20, 20 a game, game yeah. six assists a game, a block, and over two steals. I mean, it's nine insane. rebounds a game as well. Goodness me! What more could you ask? And and for almost forty percent from three, he's a legitimate threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's on he's on course for All Star, I think. Yeah, and yeah, let's see. I think let's let's not curse it, but let's see. No, it's great. And as you say, if we're going to be, you know, even if we don't get to 50 wins and we're going to be mid and sort of that play and see it again, at least we're looking good doing it. You know, this reminds me of like, you know, Arsene Wenger style, walking the ball into the hoop, literally. Pass, 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 get that bucket. Uh, it's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. And if you're a Raptors fan, you actually have a reason to watch games now. You're not watching. And with respect, we're not watching Van Vliet just chuck up shots while everyone else just stays in the corner. We're actually seeing some good old fashioned. I think we're biased, obviously, European style basketball from our European coach. Yeah, yeah. And maybe just looking forward to the next couple of games. I mean, we've got what I would have said before the season a very tough game at Cleveland, but um, I mentioned some of their struggles. They haven't looked that great. Um, and we've got, we've got a game at Brooklyn, which I expect to win. We've got a game against Phoenix, which honestly I expect to win with. Beal out and with how much offensive load is on Durant and Booker's shoulders that I, I kind of expect us to win those games and then and then we've got two games against New York both of which I expect to win if we go four and one I wouldn't be massively shocked um, maybe we drop that game to Phoenix but I do think we will be positive in the next four to five games yeah no I, I mean at this day at this rate at this trajectory you're not surprised at all um, Ryle, this has been wonderful. Welcome back to the podcast. Your fans are like, I mean, as I was saying at the start, your fans have been like in touch all the time, sending messages. Oh, via I, I can imagine. I can imagine. Just saying, yeah. where, where the hell is this guy? Stop doing solo episodes. But, you know, yeah, you're yeah. back now. And this podcast is, is back. And we're for once, you might hear slightly something different in our voice. That is this note of optimism. Oh, my God. <sighs> it's a beautiful thing. And next week, on that note, next week we will be talking about whether Barnes and Siakam can coexist. To bring us back to reality a little bit. Yeah, it's not all optimistic. I think that would be a good debate to have because that's a debate that Raptors fans, I think, have been having since the start of the season, really. So look forward to that one next week.
All right. With that, we'd sign off. Thanks right, once again, right, Rob. All right, take care, people. Thank you.